Hello, my friends, and welcome to this edition of the New World Kirtan Podcast. It's Monday, July 29, 2013. I'm Kitsy Stern, and I host and produce this show as an act of love and service to our Kirtan community. It's also an audio journal of my spiritual journey through the practice of singing and playing Kirtan. This podcast is the last one coming from this year's BhaktiFest Midwest, and it's a recording of the wonderful Mantra Alchemy Workshop given on Sunday afternoon by Vijay Krishna of the Kirtaniyas. I learned a lot about Mantra and a lot about Vijay during this workshop. For instance, he was raised in an ashram. I think he might be fun to interview one of these days. What do you all think? You can see Vijay and the Kirtaniyas live and in person at BhaktiFest West in Joshua Tree September 5th through the 8th. Discounted tickets are at the New World Kirtan website. This workshop helped a long afternoon of gardening go very quickly this weekend. I hope you like it too. Namaste. I'd like to invite anybody, especially sitting in the back on the chairs, if you feel like getting up and coming closer, that's great. And you guys here, come a bit closer if you like. Come on, everybody, this is Bhakti Fest. <laughs> This is just a format, actually, the way, the way I've grown up in ashrams. We have grown up in ashrams and temples and India and stuff, and this whole stage thing and like facing you guys is actually something quite foreign to us. We just do it because I guess that's just the way people are used to doing kirtan in the West. So we sit in this like looking at you thing, and we prefer to be sitting either in a circle. In fact, I might not be sitting down there with you. Make a beautiful altar here, and we'll all face the altar and just sing together like that. Anyhow, you know, it's all good. Okay, you guys looking at the two So, how many of you guys were at Jerry Tal's awesome workshop today? Was it great? Wow. Very, very awesome. Such an honor for second generation Western Kirtan chanters such as ourselves to be with an amazing pioneer of Kirtan here in the West. You know, Jai is like our uncle. And So, um, let's start with a bit of chanting, if you guys aren't kirtan now already. <laughs> um, then we'll have a bit of a chat and some question and answers, and I'll talk about some, some stuff.
There's so many different ashrams, so many people doing kirtan in India, go from one ashram to another and hear the same, t the same song being sung slightly different. And maybe some of them get more carried away, and some of them kind of keep it more on the tame level. Some, people, some ashrams say that, you know, it's better just to keep it on the sattvic, you know, the sattva, which is nice and pure, and, you know. And then some, you know, hey, you know, heavy metal, like sometimes we straight up get heavy metal with our kirtan. We have these big cartels, this big, we have six drums, and we jump up and down and sweat like maniacs. And, you know, I had one, I had one um, bhakta once address such heavy metal kirtan as Kriya kirtan. Someone like movies, very shifting. I straight up feel like, whoa, what's going on? Did I just take some kind of um, all high, no low LSD or something? Like, it's beyond that. It's not, I don't, I've never taken LSD, so I don't really know, but I've had lots of kirtan in my life. And all I know is that about the process of bhakti and kirtan is it leaves me wanting more. Mantra, mantra. Yeah, different different mantras have have different different potent different powers and different magical magic in in them in them. And they usually consist of vowels that, if you break down the Sanskrit language, have so much to them. It's you know that's why I call this workshop mantra alchemy. Because each part ra ma ra has in the tantric sense, uh, an effect on a particular chakra, and ma is like another will have another effect upon the body. And you, you know, um, and Krishna's name, Krishna, Krishna, Krishna means the absolute embodiment of beauty, of all of attraction, which is why we chant Krishna. I mean, we can chant God, 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 and God has its power, but there's something in particular about the mantras and addressing the gods in these different names that have its effect, effects upon the um, microcosm and the macrocosm. They're not, when we're telling these mantras that they're not just benefiting my mind, they're not just taking my mind on that journey and healing my mind, not just the soul, but the, the, the heart, but also soul deep. And not just my soul, that to some extent, as far as these, the kirtan, these mantras, as the frequency, the volume, to some extent can be picked up by the other side of the festival, and the other side of the universe. So that essentially, the, the belief is that the mantras affect everything in its path. This is a, the highest welfare work. I've heard some bhaktas say, some devotees say, the highest welfare work, because loka samasta sukhino bhavanto. If we're singing from the heart, mantras, it affects everything. It affects the whole macrocosm. You guys know this theory about the microcosm and the macrocosm? Yeah. Universe, universe. Bit of a tantric understanding. Sure. When you're in the ashram, do you speak that language or is that only a sung language? Um, well, some, in some ashrams. Uh, oh, yeah. She asked if um, in the ashram, if we speak the language, Sanskrit language, I suppose you're referring to, would we just sing it? Well, in, in the particular ashrams that I've grown up in, um, we would have this sort of philosophy, a very strong philosophical foundation. And um, we have these ancient verses that, that kind of, that are like, we call them sutras, like the Bhakti sutras. And sutras are sometimes a, is a, uh, let's see, how would, you, how would you describe sutra? What's the, the one word I'm looking for? Practice. 
Aphorism. Aphorism. Thread, aphorism, aphorism, I like especially. That, that will just kind of summarize some amazingly vast philosophical conclusion in one little sutra. Like, there's one particular Vedanta Sutra, which says, Atato Brahma Jigyasa. Speaking to every living entity, saying, Now is the time to inquire as to the infinite and your relationship with the infinite or with God or the source. And we have uh, just one word that just has like millions of such power. Why, my favorite one, Ishwara Parama Krishna Satchidananda Vigra Anadir Adir Govinda Sarva Karana Karanam. Now, in this verse, we find that the very first um, um, word that describes infinity or cause of all causes. We hear from Darwin's theory that there was a cause of a cause of a cause of a cause that caused the Big Bang. Now this verse addresses that actually that supreme being was Sarva, which means all like Sarva, um, Sarva, Mangala, we have this word very much in our yoga classes, Sarva means everything. Karana, Karanam, the cause of all causes. Sarva, Karana, Karanam. Yeah. So we have, we, we do say them, yeah, in the teachings and the lectures we have, okay, here's this verse, and my guru used to say, learn that verse, and I learn the verse, and then I have to be able to translate it. But then we have beautiful poetry, there's, there's kirtans, which is, you know, having, having some names that we repeat and chant, but then you have mantras that are maybe a little bit more, um, or songs composed in the Sanskrit language that are just amazingly um, composed and uh, with much love and uh, devotion. Yeah, so we speak English. <laughs> yes, and also I speak English. I don't speak Sanskrit. I understand some key words. In India, the ashrams they speak Hindi, but now with the, with the influx of so much, you know, um, Western, um, you know, Westerners coming to India to learn yoga and bhakti, and of course the teachings are available in English too, and many literatures. And any other, I really want to have this a very open forum. I'd be totally welcome any kind of question that you may have about kirtan or bhakti that I can attempt to answer for any of you. So throughout the workshop, just feel free to throw them up there. Yeah. You asked about the definition of uh, mantra, and mm -hmm. you got you got some feedback. Yeah. But uh, so I was wondering if uh, you would follow up on that with. Uh, a little more of a um, exposition mm -hmm. on mantra and how mantra med what is the relationship of mantra meditation to kirtan? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, <clears throat> um, what's being now known as kirtan is actually um, is actually also referred to as the sun kirtan. Sun means full. It also means, it's also short for Sangha. You guys may have heard the word Sangha, it means community. And that Sangha also addresses um, a Sadhu Sangha specifically. And the idea is that, that is in the congregation. That no matter who you are, no matter, no matter what you do, besides cast or creed and so on and so forth, that the community gather together and sing these mantras, and it's based upon repetition. It generates a lot of energy. So the mantras being call and response, in, the, in, this, in this kirtan way, it just gets hotter and hotter and hotter and more and more ecstatic until you just want to get up and spin around. 
So essentially the mantras generate energy, especially when there's like a bunch of people. Of course you can do your japa, japa mantra on repetition. And essentially the idea is that you energize the mantra through chanting it. So, and it, has, it just has its, its, its subliminal effects upon the mind and body. And um, this was um, this was the Kirtan movement really took took its place in the world some 500 years ago when a special personality named Chaitanya Mahaprabhu he took the Kirtan from the temples that were previously under the exclusive rights of some castes or some families and the Brahmins were the priests of society and only if you were part of a particular if you were born into a particular family would you be able to speak some of these mantras. And Chaitanya, this divine personality, known to be a divine personality, took the kirtan and brought it to the people, took it to the streets, and again, with any, without any consideration of race, creed, religion, understanding of what God is, beyond all of that, he brought the people together in what could be known as the original, more of a transcendental Occupy movement. <laughs> That's how it all started, and ever since it's just had its. It was, he was like throwing pebbles into a pond, and here we are, 500 years later, blissfully chanting. And you know, I live in Los Angeles, and there's up to seven kirtans a week in within a four mile radius. It's like it's awesome. But um, I hope I, I'm not sure exactly what kind of way you want to answer that question. I can talk to Alice just on that, but uh, um, yeah, the idea, basic idea, is that the mantra generates and it becomes. It becomes more, each of you add that much more to the kirtan. I heard once that in Reiki, when you have one person doing Reiki, or when you have two people doing Reiki, it's actually like the power of four. When you have four people doing Reiki, it's actually like the power of eight. I, I have this little theory that kirtan's kind of like that. Each person that adds to it, adds to it that much more. Especially it's joyfully performed and it's done with bliss and from the heart. Yogi, whatever that is, 
But some, some, most yogis actually in India, they don't actually chant kirtan if you go to India. Now we have a bit of a crossover, all these things. But um, I once had a very nice example that, say if like climbing up, uh, up uh, lots of stairs in a, a skyscraper, say, is like the path, the process, the sadhana. Does everyone know this word sadhana? Spiritual practice. Say, if, say we could compare that to walking to the top of a skyscraper. And when the yogi gets to the top of the skyscraper, they sit and meditate. Whereas the bhakti yogi, the kirtan bhakti yogi, they're chanting all the way to the top. And when they get to the top, they chant and dance some more. <laughs> so I like that very much. I take up on any opportunity possible to chant, actually. Um, we have, we kirtaniyas, we do this absolute root style, what I call root style kirtan, which we sit down with a you know, these ancient instruments and sing these melodies that have been sung for millenniums. But then we also have a side project called, you know, that we call Bass Mantra, or it's an electronic thing. We take it, kirtan, to places where otherwise we'd never have it, such as big festivals like Symbiosis and Burning Man and all that kind of thing. And we chant and dance with electronic music, and it works really well, but with the emphasis on chanting, you know, and give a bit of background, you know, singing to some nice sounding music. No, but we actually try to really encourage people that have never been exposed to kirtan to sing along and experience. So this the ancient rock system, the music system that that I use in my chanting and Jai uses in his and a few couple other people also um, apply, 
it works with those natural human emotions. And that each, that each rag actually has a name, and the name almost um, uh, is, yeah, it's related to a, a human emotion of, of um, devotional longing or almost an annoyed separation. And there's so many different, um, amazing, beautiful um, tunes that, you know, that affect the way we chant, affect the way we feel, and so on and so forth. Sometimes, for me it does anyway, not too much, I know I mentioned this already, but there's something about just being and being carried away by the melody and being carried away by a bit of improv and then before you know it, you've, you've just applied some improv to a mantra that just becomes a part of the melody and then from there on out you sing that part of the melody. <coughs> you know, it's awesome. So yeah, I mean, I've developed so many tunes and, and, and variations on chants just from that beautiful bit of improv. And, uh, if any of you don't, if any of you um, sing kirtan by yourself or with your community or whatever, I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to just kind of get taken away with, with the melody and, and the excitement of not really knowing where this is going. So yeah. How, can we chant one more and then come back? Can you hold that question? Yeah. Go ahead. Actually, ask. How is pronunciation? I think that, um, I do think correct pronunciation is important. Um, although it's not like, you know, you shouldn't sing or chant because you're not pronouncing properly. No matter what, you should chant. You know, obviously with some intention that you know, to pronounce properly definitely has its effects. I believe, yeah. Krishna. 
We're trying, I'm trying to avoid saying Rama. Actually, let's practice saying Rama. Can you say Ra, Ra? Ra, Ra. Say Ram. Ram. Say Krishna. 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 Krishna, Hare, 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 Radhe. It's not the all R's within the Sanskrit. There's three types of R's in Sanskrit. There's Ra, Ra, and Ra. There's like three different types. So, um, yeah, I encourage you know trying to say things properly if possible. Um, there's. Ra, ra, almost like ra. Like it's a, it's a, I think it's called a lal. It's, um, it's, a, it's more of a tongue on ra, ra, rama. But that's rama, it's not rama. It's also not rama, it's rama, rama. I'm sure there's galatgatal and then there's three other names. There's three names for them. Yeah. So not rama, like get out of my shop. <laughs> All welcome. <laughs> ram, ram. Radhe, 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 
I love you. 
resolutions and the emotional <laughs> improvisational stuff. I still can't say it. <laughs> the improv stuff. <laughs> it's called Allah, and um, Allah, generally, you know, coming from the Indian music system, is that point in a kirtan or a song where this, the singer just can't hold them back from just crying that name out, or from just singing that. It's just, oh, I just cracked. And, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And instead of just going, oh, we sing, we kind of just throw that in there. But we stick to the rock. The rock's still the same. The root note, the sa. Uh, <clears throat> that's the same root note. And if that root note is strong, I can play around so much with that. I'm staying within the rod, I'm staying within that same flavor that the chant in the rag has. It has such flavor. But you can switch up. Sometimes Kirtaniyas will do a whole set in Shakti Fest. We did a set for two hours without stopping once. And what we did, we just transitioned by having the drum break down. We call it breakdown. Like we go, break down! And then the drum, instead of when the drum, you see this guy shredding it. And I'm like, break down. And you go, Break it down into halftime, and before you know it, we're like in a whole other funk. We've just gone from like rave, crazy, fast tempo, kirtan chanting to this, to a kirtan, to, a, to like a reggae groove. We're like, whoa, does that sound like reggae? <laughs> <laughs> so, which is really awesome and fun. And then what we'll do is, so we'll do a two hour long kirtan from the very beginning to end, and we've just gotten really, really fast, and then we break it down to halftime, and we start up with a different chant, but we transition. We're still singing in the second key, which makes it kind of easy. I don't think you guys sing, but I tend to sing in in D or E. Um, I don't know if you guys know what that means. I, when I sing, I'm interested, me in particular, Kirtanians and our group, we're interested in maximum participation in Kirtan. Not necessarily to be, not just singing in a key that's good for me and not good for the rest of you. What would the point in that be? I want, I want to hear you sing. I want to, I'm, this is, we're hearing this together, man. <clears throat> so it's a singing a key that has maximum participation. So if I look at the keyboard here, I can be like, okay, well, girls can only go that high and that low, but then guys can go that high and that low. So I only maximize those that particular area on the scale that I'm getting most guys and most girls to sing along. Even myself with a very high voice, I just sing <clears throat> at a key that works for me. And when it gets more static, I just go into the higher octave. Just sing really like high, but I can, so I, that's what I do. And that's why I keep the kirtan instead of going way too up and I'm losing all the girls because I'm singing way too high. Do you know what I'm saying? Some of you might know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm totally cool with I'm totally cool with harmonies, man. Some some traditionalists are like, don't harmonize. It's not good for your meditation or something. It's Western. <laughs> um, yeah, there's some kirtan schools of thought that just stick to the melody, and some you get some real conservative kirtan chatters. And I don't just mean like the yoga scene, but like even ashram. I'm talking like traditional kirtan in the more traditional sense. Yeah, really like you know, no harmonizing, and you know, and don't go, t don't get too ecstatic because it gets too passionate. Whereas as a good program like a point earlier. You know, these, these human emotions are to be dovetailed, not to be oppressed. Like, you know, I can try to oppress my emotions in, in an ashram and not get ecstatic with kirtan for 10 years, and I might just be a whole old bastard. <laughs>
You know, I just I need to I need to groove, man. I need to groove. I'm a reggae child, you know. I need to get carried away, so I might as well do that in Kirtan and then not do it at all, or get fed up with ashram life and go and go and party or something. So I'm just. <laughs> One thing I noticed that we talked about like maximum participation. Yeah. I noticed that when I'm in a a, 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 a place, a, a space that has acoustics mm -hmm. that I can hear myself and it's not overpowered by the electronic music, that's when I feel like there's maximum participation. I can hear my harmony. I can hear sure, it. yeah. A lot of times with the, with the, the time is the slow yeah, powers, and we, we can't hear ourselves up here. You guys have to monitor like, yeah. all that. But I'm thinking maybe, maybe somebody ought to invent how to maybe put some microphones What's like, very interesting in, the, in the space and get, get a feedback so that, you know, that, you know as I said earlier, you know, when you really see my group of Kirtanians, when we're really like having, we're really getting carried away, it's usually like on the sidewalk or the grass and having a picnic. You know, we really kind of get carried away there. And um, acoustic kirtan, I'm very fond of acoustic kirtan. I only use mics because I have to. You know, I'm really just fond of hearing. And you know, that's something I came, something I thought of yesterday that. Especially this instrument right here that's been part of the Kirtan movement since the Kirtan movement began. And the cartels and some instruments that were originally designed, even this thing, thing that's been adapted for Kirtan in the last couple hundred years. They're designed for acoustic, for, to, to accommodate the voice. So the voice doesn't have to like be in the mic and have to be all loud. But they're designed for voice level singing. Even though this thing gets loud, but essentially if I'm singing, that, this, this will not overpower the singing. If there's six of them, and then six pairs of giant, you know, Hulk-sized cartels, then yeah. But um, generally, these instruments are designed for acoustic guitar. Yeah. Yes. I have a question about the drum. You're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Give it up for Darn, everybody. Darn up. Water on this side, along this edge, the lowers the drum, it's high. 
due to the weather, it gets high, it gets low, um, so sometimes you have to eat. Um, it's made out of cow leather. Ahimsa. Ahim, oh, ahimsa. Ahimsa cow leather. This is um, clay. Clay. And then it's clay, the body, and it's painted different oh, colors. It's a piece of piece, it's like a pot. Yeah. It's painted. Huh. Yeah, yeah. And then um, this is masala god, which actually makes the drum resonate. Without this um, pudding, pudding, this black stuff would really wouldn't make any sound. What would a ring? Tap, tap, like a, like a, in a box. And that stuff, it's very interesting that the, um, this black stuff on the top is made of. Um, has anybody ever overcooked rice before? Mm. And it gets sticky. So they have it, they, they cook this rice with way too much water to make it really sticky. And then they get iron filings, not iron filings, but actually from bell metal filings, with like a really fine iron powder. And they mix it together with this rice paste, stick it on the top of the drum, and gives it a beautiful ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the same on the base side. Is the base side yeah, the base black too? No, it's brown. Yeah. And this is, um, if any of you have been to India, um, they drink chai out of these little clay pots, these little clay cups. They're so cute, I just want to take them out of them. They're disposable. They're completely thrown, you just throw them back to the earth, and then the potter comes. And, you know. But basically, this is made out of um, little, the same, the rice, the rice kind of acts like a blue, and then they mix it with these, old, these recycled clay chai cups, this kind of clay. And, <laughs> it um, makes, we, well we have mantras, like the same way when he sings, he sings in a rock or a certain key. The, the drum also has certain mantras that actually accompany the singing or the two-night singing to help ex express it, express the mood type thing. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a proper system of learning. Yeah, both of us are completely self-taught with this, we have learned like, learn properly, but in India, training, each, each of the hits, say there's six or seven different ways of hitting the drum, you wouldn't be able to even touch, even hit the drum until you could speak the balls. So, if in an instance, you have te, de, ke, ta. So, te, te is te, that particular te. And then re, with your thumb, re, te, re. And then ke, is a close on the bass side. And then ta, again. And then you have ta. And then you have um, tak. So, you have all these different combinations. And you learn, you learn the balls, like we say ballo, you learn the, the, the different um, sequences. And when you learn, when you, when you can speak it, then the teacher will let you touch the drum and actually play on the drum. <laughs> but we're just, we just nicked the uh, style. <laughs> 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 no, but, um, um, one mantra that I like, one of my favorites, goes like this. Da, den, and up, den, and den, and up, den, and den, and da, den.
but if you, want, if you want to get down to what some of the Raj introduced later, this was came in like only like the last hundred years. And um, yeah, I mean, actually, I want to add a, an esoteric point to this. Um, I'd like to share with you all. Anything that is used, um, you guys may have heard of the goddess Saraswati. Saraswati is a goddess of, of learning and of, of wisdom and of music also. So any item that is used in music, in music uh, expression, poetry, writing, anything that's creative, she almost like the goddess of creativity too, has, in a, in a, is governed by that energy of Saraswati. So in a sense, it's considered sacred. Any musical instrument, even a pen, if I see a pen or a book on the floor, you know, I, I, I never leave a pen or a book on the floor. And if I see a book, on, uh, especially devotional literature, I attach it to my hand and honor the, the book and put it on the side. So I honor things by not, especially uh, like musical instruments or something, I never touch them with my feet, I never move it around. It's not an honor for, for the instrument because it's coming from the energy of the with the, yeah, I thought I'd add that for you guys. It's not too esoteric. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, well, the, the, the Kirtan tradition, it goes back for millenniums and millenniums and millenniums. But um, uh, the, the Kirtan tradition as we know today um, really has come from this, from the effect of this Chaitanya um, Mahaprabhu personality that appeared 500 years ago. As I said, the Kirtan was really just confined to a small group of people and you know, unless you were a part of that family and that caste, you wouldn't be able to sing these mantras. They were just not, they were forbidden. Absolutely. And I, you know, I can't even start, start to begin to talk about this personality, Chaitanya. He was not just, not just a revolutionary on the Kirtan musical side. This personality was, he revolutionized philosophy as, you know, he, he, he presented the ultimate philosophical conclusions, really the most deepest, um, uh, the deepest um, presentations on unity and diversity, ranging from the highest, most esoteric philosophical conclusions to the most basic human things of, you know, if you're Muslim, you're Jewish, whatever, come and chant, celebrate, and chant the names of God. You know, so he was really a, a magnificent um, uh, contributor to what with everything yogi, yogi or um, philosophy have today, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I encourage you to have a look at a book called The Teachings of Lord Chaitanya. Very amazing book. Um, tell you more about Kirtan and so on and so forth. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes, sir. Um, Taking it back to where you started, you, you described Sam Kirtan as uh, complete chanting. Yeah. Uh, Krishna as the all attractive, the form of the <coughs> as all attractive. But in the Kirtan we chanted, you added the word Shri. Shri, yeah. And then you uh, defined uh, Jai, mm -hmm. uh, but your name is. Vijay. Yeah. So that's a little different. So we have uh, Vijay Shri Krishna Sankirtan, and and that just it, I just feel like there's one more word that I have to add at the beginning of that. Param. Param. So I was wondering if perhaps you would elaborate on this, uh, the rest of the meanings of the words, your name Shri uh, and Param. Uh, 
Sri Krishna, Sankirtan. Yes. Would you be kind enough to elaborate on this dandelion's relationship to what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I'm very grateful you bring this this point up. There's a beautiful, beautiful poem um, that was um, written by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu about the glories of Kirtan that he's just addressed and managed to link in a whole bunch of questions and bring to this one le last line of this poem, which goes, Parama Vijayate Shri Krishna Sankirtanam. Param means the absolute epitome or the absolute greatest. Param Vijaya, or to the most, to the most extent, Parama or it also means all glorious param. Vijayate means glorious. Jai, jai, we said earlier, means glory too, or victory. My name is Vijay. Param Vijayate. V adds an extra bit of oomph to the word jai. Don't tell Jai to tell that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my god. Um. <laughs> Don't tell him. Jai finds out that it was one of you guys. <laughs> Vijay, param Vijayate, all glories, massive, massive, immense glories, unlimited glories, Param Vijayate, Shri. Shri is, addresses like the goddess of fortune or abundance, so is, um, sorry, Lakshmi Devi. But Shri is also the ultimate embellishment. So if you say Shri Dharma Das, it's like almost saying like, it's like the most poli absolute politest, the most um, beautiful, beautiful, it's the most amazing way to beautify his name. Can we just say Shri, Shri Krishna is just to add that beautiful, just hilarious, beautiful, unviable gold or something like something of the sort. Shri is just beauty. It, it's an embellishment, an embellishing word. Do I have to finish then? Oh my god, it's fun playing. Oh, Jared, I'll just text you, text no, them. No, no, no. <laughs> so one of you guys in here, probably Kitsy over there. Yeah, BJ just said this about you. <laughs> All right, so, um, yeah. Um, Shri is an embellishment. Param Vijayate Shri Krishna Sankirtanam. Now, the reason why, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on Krishna um, is because the interesting thing, if you look into the theology of Krishna, he's the he's approachable in terms of relationship more than any other deity. There's five types of relationships within this world and within transcendence. This is as the, from the Bhakti um, philosophy. There's a relationship of neutrality. Before I knew any of you, I was completely neutral with you. I don't I don't like you necessarily. I don't dislike you. It's neutral. Then a step up from neutrality, we have dasyam, which is servitorship, a mood of service. Like I'm serving here at Bhakti Fest as a volunteer, as a service thing. Then uh, the next relationship higher than that is sakyam, which means friendship, like having a, a dear friendship with somebody. And as the relationships go deeper and deeper, or higher and higher, whichever way you want to look at it, the previous relationship is also within that. So within friendship, there's also some service, servitorship. And there's also neutrality. Within servitorship, there's not necessarily friendship, but there's sometimes neutrality. So then after, after friendship, we have the third rasa, or relationship is, sorry, the fourth one is that of a parental, a parental affection. Within parental affection, there's also friendship, there's also service, and there's also neutrality. And then the deepest, the, 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 the closest uh, expression of love is that of paramount. 
uh, between the lover and beloved, between lovers. And, and within that, there's also, paranoia, there's, there's service and there's friendship and there's neutrality. So this is, this is why Krishna is, is, is known to be the absolute, um, the epitome of the beloved. He is the beloved, the embodiment of the beloved, the recipient of all loving exchanges, unconditional loving exchanges. And the glory and his glory, you know, I had recently it's very beautiful one um, speaker. I, I someone like my grandmother who's spent grown up in India and she's seventy years old and she's just fully like love, so in the mood of bhakti. She said the whole world is glorifying Krishna, the whole universe is glorifying this personality, Krishna, the divine beloved. But who's he glorifying? He's glorifying somebody, Radha. The lover, the absolute embodiment of the lover, the unconditional tendency to love. That's Radha. So when we chant this, this the, especially the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, it's called the Maha Mantra for a reason. Maha means the greatest mantra. You know what mantra means? And it, it, it addresses that. Hare is the lover, Radha. Hare means Ha Radha. Hare, Hare Krishna. You know, a, we have with the lover and the beloved. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. There's unity. Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare. There's separation. Hare Rama, Hare Rama. The lover and beloved are addressed again. Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's back, it's back and forth between unity and separation. And each time there's separation. As we know, separation makes the heart grow fonder. That it, it grows. The love increases even between the lover and beloved, who the epitome of love. It grows that much more and it's relished in the union. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. So this is, <clears throat> so this, this verse I was referring to from Chaitanya, Param Vijayate Sri Krishna Sankirtanam. Parama means, what does Parama mean? Parama, I just said Parama, the greatest, the most massive. Parama, Vijayate means what? Vijay, come on guys, my name. <laughs> Vijay means victory, victor. Parama Vijayate, Shri, what does Shri mean? Beauty, ultimate beauty, just a beautiful, ultimate embellishment. Shri, Krishna, San Kirtan. You know, Kirtan means to glorify, to chant. San means fully in Sangha. So this verse addresses from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu all infinite massive glory to the beautiful path, to the beautiful expression of Sankirtan. Great victory, great victory. The greatest victory. Because it brings these, the, this is my favorite thing traveling around the world non stop singing Kirtan, is that I get to meet so many people from different walks of life. And there's, there's this non homogenized thing of. Of, of group or sect or anything like that and just getting together with my brother and sister, human beings, and get to chant and smile and dance. And this is what I love to do the most. And um, I pray to continue. It fulfills me. So you have all contributed to that fulfillment today. Woo! Give thanks. shortcomings in my speech and um, <laughs> um, if there's any last question before we close up last question or comment also go ahead this question when um, I noticed that 
in the tradition we speak of Krishna in the, in the male sense, you use the term his as a pronoun. And um, I am very much an advocate for gender equality in every way, um, in terms of the languages for the sake of um, Coming out of the Christian tradition, I really fought a battle for that, inside that tradition. Alongside there's Christ, there's Krista, is an advocate for that, or Mary, or in the Muslim tradition, Allah is oftentimes referred to as a male pronoun. Sure. Um, and so can you address that? Um, uh, yeah. Is there, in terms of the, the language of the movement, and when, when male pronouns are used, does that become an obstacle? Um, it becomes an obstacle to meet some degree. Right. That's the only way that, that, that Krishna is referred to in a, in a male pronoun. Um. Yes, Krishna is the divine masculine. That's just what he is. But what I hinted at when I said that the whole world is glorifying Krishna, then who's he glorifying? He's glorifying the divine goddess. So when you know, you know, when we say Hare Krishna, we're addressing first the, the that divine feminine. Actually, you may have seen that. Um, my parents dancing through the streets in their bedrobes, chanting Hare Krishna. <laughs> yep, his parents do. <laughs> <laughs> Hari, Hare, is addresses the divine, the divine goddess, and actually, my um, and she's she's the special. Shri is that when we say Parambijayate, Shri Krishna, we're always addressing the divine goddess first. Not that there's a we not it's not a male a male matriarchal culture actually. Bhakti is not at all. Bhakti is represented also in a female goddess. It's actually not that it's actually most predominantly um, feminine actually. Bhakti is a goddess. And especially in, in my line of teaching in Bhakti, everything's personified. It's not that just we have an image of Krishna and it's just an image and we'll go beyond that. No, the epitome. For me, I'm a, I, I want to develop a personal relationship with the divine. I want to be able to hug and embrace and dance and so on and so forth with the divine. Not just be necessarily merge and become completely nothing with that. With, you know, I, want to, I want to have a personal relationship. And it's not just that they're just an illusion. And that, that these goddesses and gods are just, just a stepping stone to something beyond. No, I, I, I don't want that. I want a relationship with these personalities and there's a very nice verse just to finish up that goes Nam Nam Akad no Nam Chintami Krishna Chaitanya Rasa Vigdaha Purna Shuddha Nitmukta Abhitam Nam Namino that with if we chant Coke 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 we're not gonna start tasting Coca Cola. The interesting thing about chanting these mantras is that actually the effects are there. Especially with the name the chanting of these names. When I say Radhe especially from saying right here with the absolute purity of heart, the name and the personality are one and the same. That's the power of the, of the mantra. So if we address Radha as the absolute embodiment of the divine lover, we're singing, we're glorifying, we're inviting those qualities into our heart, the quality of that personality into our heart, thus acquiring rose-tinted sunglasses. Old minds and rose tinted sunglasses. See the divine everywhere. Go ahead. Yes, let's do one last chant before we get kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> do 
you gonna do any? Um, oh yeah, I have. I just want to let everyone know that we have um, a last few stack of CDs here. We have our roots kirtan, which is our heart and soul CDs. Roots kirtan, like harmonium, tabla, and a bit of flute, a bit of violin. And then we also have this thing called a mixtape, which is where we've incorporated um, the chanting of mantras with like some hip hop and reggae and so on and so forth. So we have that, and it's very limited. It's only on CD at this point. And we have a few with us. So if anyone wants to get one, welcome to come back to the kirtan. Do you guys want to chill one, an upbeat one, funky, upbeat? Okay, she was the first one to regret. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I hear you say Radha Ramana? Radha Ramana. Radha Ramana. Radha Ramana. So you say J.J. Radha Ramana Haribo. J.J. Radha Ramana Haribo. J.J. Radha Ramana. J.J. Radha Radha Ramana Haribo 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 So JJ Radha again glory 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 to Radha Raman Raman represents addresses the beloved that's been completely the divine love beloved that some of us may call God that's been completely won over by the love of Radha Glory to that love that has conquered even the divine, been conquered by the divine, divine goddess Radha. Haribo, 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 Chan, Chan, Chan. Jai Jai Radha Ramana Haribo. Jai Jai Radha Ramana Haribo. Thank you. 
Let's give one more round of applause. 